0: You're listening to the Sonderbombs here on the More Than Punk podcast. I'm Sebastian Mackay, and the song playing right now is their new track, What Are Friends For? This week, I'm chatting with singer-songwriter Jimmy Wilkes about everything from Trumpian politics to raising minority voices, whether or not we should all be protest singers, and what the future of the band is now, and how they plan to take this thing to a full-time job. Jimmy is joining me from her home in Ohio. This is the More Than Punk podcast with the Sonderbombs. Congrats on the new song. You guys know it's good. Like, you're the Sonderbombs. You're not going to put out something that sucks. But anyway.
1: Thank you. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> Thank a you. cool
0: track. Um, one thing that I've kind of been quite curious about, because I don't know if you know, have just mentioned, but I'm a Kiwi. I'm in the UK at the moment. Right. So quite a bit of, like, disconnect. Obviously, you guys are an American band, your country is going through a lot at the moment. Oh my
2: God. Yeah. Um,
0: Like how does that affect or change the way you approach your music or, Um, or does it?
1: I think
2: it definitely does, you know, um, this, you know, collection of songs that we have, um, right now that we just, you know, finished recording and, stuff um most of those were written you know before like the pandemic
0: yeah
2: um so it's 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 weird um not just the pandemic but also like the revolution that's basically happening in our country right now um you know people fighting back against racial injustice like and so it does sometimes in a way feel pretty um useless to be trying to release music right now because Mm -hmm. there's so much more important shit happening um so yeah it it feels a little uh futile
1: sometimes
0: (laughs) but But it's it's also your lives too right like as much as other stuff is happening we can't all just stop doing everything we do
2: right right and i think it's just trying to go about it in a way um that is appropriate. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, which I think like a lot of people in the music industry, a lot of, uh, a lot of folks are trying to figure out ways to do that.
0: <laughs> what does that look like for you guys?
2: Um, well, at least this year, um, I think, I think one of the main things that like we've kind of been paying more attention to is just, um, uh, like I guess, uh, holidays that are not, you know, for white people, obviously mm-hmm. like, like Juneteenth, um, which was something that I only learned about this year, which, um, is super disappointing cause our school systems fail us constantly. Um, but also, you know, like Indigenous Peoples Day, which used to be Columbus Day. I say that with air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like Indigenous Peoples Day. And I guess um, just being more conscious of those holidays and finding ways to like, you know, donate or put the spotlight on, you know, those like marginalized groups during those holidays instead of taking up that space for us, you know, mm. which yeah. I think is it's a um, super important like that representation that representation is very important um and i think you know as white people we need to do as much as we can to support the marginalized groups especially in our country which is so fucked up right now
0: <laughs> yeah I mean, it's yeah. it's something else at the moment
2: yeah i what is it what does it look like for you in the uk to see <laughs> i'm like i'm flipping the table i'm asking you the question but like it's gotta be, um, pretty weird, right? Like, what is it? Yeah. What do you think of that?
0: Yeah, it's pretty weird. I think it's one of those really interesting situations where you almost think it's going to have more impact on the world than it ends up having, if that makes sense. Like, obviously yes. it's a, it's a huge thing for the U S right. Mm-hmm. But I think that we had potentially assumed that the outcoming sort of ripples and waves would be a lot, um, would maybe create more of a fundamental shift than perhaps they have. So at the moment, it kind of just seems like you guys are on fire and you're sort of not really dealing with it. And everyone else is just trying to deal with this big sort of coronavirus thing, you know? And, and maybe we'll meet somewhere in the middle later on.
2: 100% that's what's happening. We are literally, like, <laughs> we, like straight up, we are on fire.
1: <laughs>
2: like, Ooh, like, most of the is on fire. Um, coronavirus is completely unchallenged at the moment you know what i mean like nobody mm. none of our government um like nobody in our government's really doing anything to protect us or to shut things down or to provide for us um the healthcare system is in complete disarray because there's not enough personal protective equipment um there's not enough beds like uh in I, I, uh, so I live out in like Cleveland in Ohio Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and, um, Cleveland clinic is like one of the best hospitals in the country. And I remember when coronavirus first hit, it was like, there was no room. Like they, they, um, they're building, I think like a new like student, uh, like medical student building. And in the process of that, they had to like clear out the entire building and just like fill it with beds. Because, like, they, we just don't have, like, the infrastructure to deal with any of this. Um, and our government, like, our governor of Ohio was not, you know, he wasn't doing shit. At first, he shut things down, and it kind of seemed like, okay, maybe you're making a right decision for once, because he's a very uh, conservative governor. He's, like, pro-life, like, mm-hmm. he's, which, I don't know why I'm saying pro-life. He's anti-abortion, Let's call it what it is. It's not pro-life because if you're pro-life. You're going to handle coronavirus. Like yeah, yeah, right. you're going you're gonna to provide for the lives that exist. So um, but anyway, yeah, it's a hot fucking mess over here.
0: So when, when you're a band and I like, cause obviously you said just before that the songs that you've written that are sort of coming out now were all done pre pandemic. And okay. obviously when you write music or, I mean, make any form of art, there's a, process that you go through that doesn't mean you can always jump on something as soon as it happens right whether that's getting access to studios or doing recording in your own your own room or whatever but right. does all do you feel like all of this stuff pushes you in a slightly different direction where we you're thinking you know what if we did become like a protest band or you know one of those sort of and i'm thinking of all the kind of punk rock you know rage against the machine style bands that have said this next song's going to smash the system like is it do you feel that kind of things that you're clearly passionate about seeping into, you know, the songwriting more and more.
2: I mean, definitely. I think um, for the most part, like my songwriting has always been tinged with like a lot of sarcasm
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, just because I've, I, I do, I, I've seen a lot of things that, but you know, particularly with like, you know, our society or um, in, in politics that piss me off. Um, Whether it's, like, scene politics or, like, the government. Um, So, I mean, I think that's kind of always been an aspect of it. Um, But I I don't know. At the same time, it's like, I think I'm just going through a phase right now in my life where... um, i'm I'm trying to work a lot on my mental health. And mm-hmm. so in terms of songwriting, that's what I've been expressing a lot. Um, and that's not to say that i I think uh, it's not important for me to use my voice, but I also think it's important to amplify right now the voices of, you know, the people that are being affected mm-hmm. um, by what's going on in the world. And so I'm more kind of interested to hear you know, their voices and, and what they have to say. I mean, I'm always gonna be uh, a a punk, like, <laughs> at heart. Totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, so that's never gonna change, whether I'm, you know, writing about it bluntly or not.
0: I think there's always that sense too of that music is escapism, right? Like, it's like, right. you can sort of come home from the protest or whatever it is that you're fighting put on that album that helps you decompress and recharge and then go out and do it again. Like you don't always need yeah. to be sort of barraged with, you know, the music that's kind of telling you to like take to the streets and throw rocks at cops and all the rest of it.
2: Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think, um, I think in this, uh, new age that like our country is moving into and it's, I guess it's not necessarily, um, it's not new in the sense that like people are protesting more or that there's more injustice because there's always been these injustices happening. Mm. Um, But you know, the scale that we're able to see it for what it really is via like Twitter and Instagram, you know, like it's not just hearsay. It's like, we can literally see a video of cops beating the shit out of protesters. And that's real. That's not, Mm. that's not somebody saying, Oh, this happened. And then, you know, it getting twisted through the media. Like that's, that's as much proof as you could possibly ask for, you know, besides being on the ground at a protest. So, um, but I do think that, um, you know, being exposed to it all the time and also, you know, fighting against it. I think it is important for people to remember to like, sometimes, you know, obviously we're all fighting for equality right now. Mm. Um, but burnout isn't going to help anybody. We still have to take care of, you know, our mental health, all of us. So, um, you know, b- burning, burning ourselves out. Yeah, definitely recharging with music is a good thing right now.
0: For sure. And I mean, I don't want to take away from the fact that like, you know, you guys are still being a band still like having to make music and, and generate income and all of that kind of stuff against the backdrop of everything that's happening. So I mean, given that we can't, Go to shows and do tours and that kind of stuff. How has that changed the way you mm. think about I, I hate the word fans um, like think about connecting with your audience and make you know making money off that I mean if we can be honest it's a punk rock podcast we're all about honesty you know how do you right. like, how does that reinvent the way that you think about your livelihood
2: i mean I think um at the point that like we're at right now we're still like a very very small band um Mm. we're not you know paying the bills with music yet um that is the goal like I don't know when I think of when I when I think of what I want to do with music and and how far I want to go you know like like big dream kind of shit it's it's never like, oh, I want to be like on the top 40 charts or, oh, I yeah. want to be selling about stadiums. It's literally, I just want to pay my bills with music and like, and live and be able to make it my career, you know? Um, so that's always been the goal. And uh, I think, especially with not being able to tour, I think it's farther away now than it was, um, you know, like a year ago. Hmm. Even, um, which is, it's hard, but like, I don't know. I still, I still have, um, I still have music, you know, even if I can't pay the bills with it right now, like I still have that. And nobody can take that away from me. (laughs) So certainly not the pandemic.
0: Totally. I think there have been loads of bands that have been doing live streams and stuff. What, yeah. what are your what are your sort of thoughts on that like have you guys found a space where you're you know broadcasting on youtube or facebook or whatever doing a few songs here and there
2: yeah um we've done that a couple times and each time it's been like really fun um it's kind of nice being able to play like on a live stream just in my living room i think mm-hmm. i feel a lot more comfortable um not not to say that i don't love being on stage and wish i could fucking romp around and (laughs) and scream into a microphone because that'd be amazing right now um but it's like it is very fun to um just like chill at home and it's kind of feels like you know you're having like a living room show or something you know um but we haven't done too many of those um partially I think because we were playing a lot of the old songs and Mm -hmm while also like working on this new album and so it it was kind of like i was getting that uh sense of like god i don't know how much longer i can play these songs you know like right. yeah like i need a break from playing these songs so um but i'm sure we're gonna start doing it again soon because it is fun
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's a pretty cool thing and I mean if we're speaking of like those older, older songs rather how how long have you been playing those for like what what's your kind of sense of I can play a song for this long and then after three years five years I'm like I don't want to sing that lyric ever again
1: <laughs> um
2: hmm I don't know I don't know if I'll ever get to the point where I don't ever want to sing that lyric ever again but there's definitely a couple songs where I'm just like like I like I love them for what they are, and they've served me well, and mm. they seem to have served other people well, which is rewarding. But um, there, you know, there are a couple songs where I'm just like, I can't wait until people forget about this song. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. I think um, I'm trying to think. So we recorded our first album in like january or february of
1: 2018
2: mm-hmm. um and before that we were kind of in the process of just like playing around locally you know gigging that kind of thing um and you know i think there's definitely it, like there's a lot of growth in that time when we were just like playing locally um where we wrote a bunch of songs and then we kind of just picked the ones that would be on the album, like the 10 best ones or the nine best songs that we had at the time. Um, so I guess we've been playing them for like three or four years now and I still love them. Um, but I, I'm just so excited for like the new music because it, I, I feel I'm very proud of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know.
0: Because <laughs> I think the thing that always gets me as a fan, and it's like, and obviously everyone can relate to this, but we all have those songs that like trigger a memory or a feeling, right? And oh, yeah. I'll get that, you know, I'll put a song on and be like, oh, wow, I'm not, you know, I haven't listened to this for years. And it sort of evokes that feeling. But if you're playing them and you're singing them, do you find that you still think about that time where like you were sitting there writing that song when you're playing it? Or if it, does it just sort of become a thing of its own after a while?
2: I think it kind of depends on the song. I think it depends even on the show, you mm-hmm. know? Um, Cause for instance, like I did uh, I did like a solo tour last year um, with this poet, Neil Hilborn, we went like, it was like kind of like almost a full US, um, but playing those songs solo, it like, like you said, like uh, it did feel almost like how it felt when I wrote them alone in my bedroom, you mm-hmm. know? Um, And I was really able to like, I think kind of dive into that feeling again, head first, Um, which was, it was like really powerful for me. Like it it felt that, but it was also very intense, you know? Mm. Um, And I think sometimes when, as an artist, you write something super personal, um, you kind of, build up, like, little uh, barricades or walls so that even if you're playing it live and it's a super personal song, you're able to kind of, like, compartmentalize how much it's going to affect you. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And um, I think those barriers exist less when I'm playing solo than they do when I'm playing, like, with my band. Because even if I'm going to that, like, vulnerable space, like, I'm surrounded by my bandmates, like, my best friends, Mm -hmm. and I have people in the crowd who know how I feel and they're singing you know back to me like and that's so beautiful and very healing so it kind of it kind of depends on the show honestly.
0: Yeah I inter- so I've interviewed a lot of bands but two of the things that stand out for me um, I interviewed Carnifex once um, okay. and their, their singer was like you know every time I go on stage I have to tell myself don't forget the lyrics and then on the <laughs> flip side I interviewed the guys from Kodaline and he's like you know we play these songs every night and every time I get on stage, I'm like, just do not cry. And I feel like there's sort of a like somewhere in between everyone kind of fits.
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, I def, I cry. I pretty much cry every time I play a show. Yeah. Almost, almost every time I think there's only been a handful of times where like, like I just had a really bad day and we had to play a show and I just couldn't like fully get into it. Mm. Um, so like kind of that like blockage but i mean for the most time for the most part yeah i, I cry every show
0: <laughs> that's the hard thing right because when you're performing you've got to like you've got to get out there and you've got to switch it on you know And i mean for me like to a much lesser extent if i've i've just like literally just finished work before we jumped on the phone and it's right. like if i've had a shit day i've just got to leave that aside and like refocus but for me it's only you know, it's only you and me just hanging out. Whereas for you, it's like a couple hundred people or however many.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think I used to kind of think of it like as a switch, but now I kind of think of it, um, I don't know, I, I I kind of think of it, and this might be a somewhat strange analogy, but I think of it as like a, like getting on a bus mm-hmm. and going from point A to point B. So from point A getting to the venue, you know, p- point A is being at the venue, um, and then like loading in and setting up and like warming up and getting, you know, like getting to the point where then people start to come into the room and you start to like feel everybody else's energy. I feel like um, it's like a it's like you're traveling to to that uh, performance point. Like it's not it's not really like a switch. At least for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I think some people they're like. Okay, let's go, and then they can just do it, but i mean yeah i am I'm, I'm definitely um very affected by my surroundings in that sense, um I mean, I still have fun every time, yeah totally. <laughs> so yeah. uh but but yeah, like i definitely i need that energy, I think
0: that's one of the funny things i think is when you talk to bands and stuff about what it's like you know playing shows and getting that energy and stuff and sometimes people say to yeah it's really hard and you've played you know 150 shows and you have one more to do and you don't want to get on stage or whatever oh, yeah. and it's like but and then people kind of take it the wrong way and they're like well if it's that you know if it's like that don't do it you're like we're not we're not really saying that right there's just that balance in between like being a being a human and and being a performer and sort of living those two lives I think
2: totally I mean yeah definitely and I think um I think we've been lucky um that our um our listener base uh they're all such sweethearts so like even if you know, something happens at a show, like, like on stage for us, you know, like if we get like thrown out of whack, or if, um, or if like I have, like, I mean, there's, there's been moments on stage where like, I've, uh, (laughs) I've gotten like, so sucked into, to the performance that I, you know, like, I'm like crying, and I can't stop. And in those moments, it's like, or, or if I'm really pissed off at something and like, you can kind of see it on my face. I think, um, that our, our listeners are very supportive and that if they see us, you know, have any kind of, you know, human emotion that they're receptive to that that, and they're like, oh yeah, like you're a person. It's cool. Mm -hmm. So, um, but then again, you know, we are on like a smaller scale and I think that gets harder, you know, the, the higher you move up in the in the musical food chain, right? Like right. like like Lady Gaga doesn't get an excuse for a bad performance, right? Like to most people. Mm. But we do. <laughs> so I'm fine with that, personally.
0: Well, just to remember, like, and I guess this might be a recurring thing, but obviously when you're like small band, you're starting out, you come out of your, your bedroom and start playing those songs and people start singing along and coming up to you after the shows and being like, oh, your song's done like this for me. Like, what's that like?
2: Um, it's – I feel very grateful for it. Yeah, I feel um, – I, I don't know necessarily if happy is the right word. Um, but I, yeah, just, I guess, grateful, like, um, I feel, I feel honored when people, uh, relate and, and feel comfortable enough to come up to me at a show Mm -hmm. or to message me online and tell me, you know, how, how my music has helped them. Like, I, I don't think there's anything I don't think there's a better gift to receive than um not only that like validation but like that sense of like solidarity you know i think that's a really beautiful thing and i'm very grateful for it even if you know sometimes it can be hard um yeah yeah i love i love that (laughs) it's like it's an unmatched feeling it's yeah
0: I mean I would categorically have the worst imposter syndrome, right? Like my job's easy. I just have to hide behind a microphone and you know, talk to people like you and then it, it goes up online and it's just on Spotify and it's fine, you know. But I wouldn't
2: say that's easy though. Yeah. You're still you're still putting yourself out there.
0: True. But I think but maybe not as not in a sort of emotionally revealing way, you know. Yeah. I like that's this. Fair. I feel like we're turning I feel like we're turning the tables right? Like the,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what is it? The predators become the prey or something?
1: <laughs> I, I don't
2: know. I don't know. Probably that
0: analogy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think, I mean, that sounds right. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs>
0: so one of the things that um, I do on the podcast is play a song from the band at the, at the end. So is oh. there, do you want to do like the new, I mean, new singles out? Yeah. Do you want to do a bit of a lead in? I'm going to totally put you on the spot with this. Okay. A little bit of a lead in for the song. Tell me a bit about it.
2: Well, I mean, it's about hardship in friendships and not being able to communicate with the people that you love and how infuriating that can be when they won't hear you out or communicate with you either. Um, it's very sarcastic. <laughs> so
0: That's awesome. Thank you for coming and hanging out.
1: Yeah, thanks it. for having
0: me It was a lot of fun um, Yeah, so yeah we'll, we'll, play that, we'll play that track at the end
1: Cool
0: That was my conversation with Jimmy Wilkes, singer-songwriter of The Sonderbombs As promised, here is their new track What Are Friends For? on the More Than Punk podcast
1: Before I left or you said you wouldn't